0: Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. On September 11, 1973, a bloody US-backed coup overthrew the government of Chilean socialist Salvador Allende and ushered in the oppressive rule of dictator Augusto Pinochet. Decades later, the capitalist system and constitution inherited from the dictatorship remained fundamentally the same, this was graphically demonstrated by the mass movement and general strike in the fall of 2019, which led to the vote in favor of changing the rotten Chilean constitution. On the back of these movements, a new generation of socialists is awakening in Chile. Carlos Hernan, activist with Fight Back and organizer with the Chilean Marxist group, October, gives this talk on Chile from Allende to Pinochet to today.
1: As many of you may know, Chile experienced a great social explosion in October 2019. This October rebellion could only be contained by an agreement between all the parties of the regime. A plebiscite to change the constitution of 1980 made during the dictatorship. After the largest general strike in decades, the main union leaderships and the parliamentary left saved the regime. Well, these and of course the pandemic the protest began because of a fair hike, and the, the slogan was, it's not 30 pesos, it's 30 years. That is to say, since the end of the Pinochet dictatorship, we have endured 30 years of agreed democratic transition, of impunity for the crimes against humanity and deepening of capitalism. But can the Chilean people now accept this constituent agreement again on the basis of impunity for the abuses committed of political prisoners and without touching the economic power of the capitalist class? To help understand recent events, we will take a look at the history of the class struggle in Chile. We can explain the particularity of Chilean capitalist development with two recent events. First, the War of the Pacific between 1879 and 1884 that pitted Chile against Peru and Bolivia for control of nitrates in the desert, desired by British imperialism. And second, the so-called pacification of the Araucanía at the end of the 19th century where the landowning oligarchy appropriated the cattle and the land of the Mapuche people. And who who are the Mapuche, real quick? The Mapuche people are one of the very few indigenous peoples in the world that, thanks to their own cultural wealth and military genius, maintain a certain autonomy during the Spanish conquest, the colonial period, and the formation of the creole republics in early uh, 1800s they claimed their ancestral territory which was recognized in treaties with the spanish so these two recent events these two events the war and the so-called pacification consolidated the ruling class in power of the chilean state the bourgeoisie and the landowners share the profits offered by the territorial expansion towards the mining north and the lands to the south. In this way, the bourgeois-owned land and the landlord have shares in industry, mining and commerce. Capitalist development is tied to imperialism, but also to feudal forms, so it cannot solve the characteristic democratic task of European bourgeois revolutions, such as national independence or agrarian reform. The cradle of the Chilean labor movement are the mining towns in the northern desert. In the mines, ports, and cities, a large and organized working class is formed with revolutionary traditions that will be decisive throughout the 20th century. Luis Emilio Recabarren the great organizer of the Chilean working class, said that the labor movement smelled like gunpowder. powder. In 1912, Recabarren founded a paper, uh, The Workers' Awakening, and various other newspapers, cultural centers, and reading groups. He also founded the Socialist Workers' Party in 1912 the first Workers' Party in Chile. He actively participates in the Workers' Federation of Chile, the first national trade union, which under his influence adopts socialist principles. In 1922, the Socialist Workers' Party joined the Communist International and then became the Communist Party of Chile. The crisis of 29 caused a disastrous economic situation. Faced with large demonstration of workers and students, the dictatorship of Ibañez del Campo fell in 1931. The next administration applied cuts in salaries for the public sector and the the armed forces, and this provoked a naval mutiny on September 1st of 1931. The sailors arrested the officers and took control of the ships. The government feared that the fleet would head to the north to unite with the unemployed miners where the Communist Party was strong and that they would establish a parallel power. In fact, the petition focused on wage demands and did not call for disobeying the law, but they promised that they would never point their weapons against the people. The government sent an, an air force to bomb them but the sailors operated their ships wonderfully and their attack is a fiasco. In short, after a few days, they surrender and they are imprisoned. Months later, in 1952, there was a coup d'etat with the participation of Marmaduke Grove or Marmaduke Grove, a military man with socialist ideas. The Socialist Republic of Chile was declared, and one of its first measures is to free the sailors. But as we know, you can't just declare a socialist republic. Um, Marmaduke lasts only 12 days before being ousted by another military faction. His mistake was to carry out an officer coup without the support of the masses and without a program or revolutionary leadership and he did not arm he did not want to arm uh, sympathetic workers he only trusted the army precisely where the coup came from these lessons could have been taken into account 40 years later in 1933 the socialist party of chile was founded at its foundation is the young medical student salvador allende In his career, he will be a parliamentarian, minister of health, and four times a candidate for the presidency. In the 30s, the Comintern called for the formation of Popular Fronts in alliance with parties of the supposedly democratic bourgeoisie. The Popular fronts subordinate the working class to the interests of the bourgeoisie, under the veil of an anti-fascist alliance. The Popular Front wins the elections in 1938, and the presidency falls into the hands of the radical party. It will be the period of 14 years of radical governments. It is a time of consolidation of the public functions of the state, development of national industry, and women obtain the right to vote. In the the 1960s, the Cuban Revolution had great influence on youth and left parties all over the continent, and Chile is no exception. There is a wave of radicalization in the countryside and the cities. The Christian democracy was formed as a party that seeks above all to stop the growth of the mass workers' parties. In 1964, the Christian democrat Eduardo Frei Montalva campaigned with leftist phraseology and under the slogan of revolution in liberty. He does an agrarian reform and the Chileanization of copper, which is not a proper uh, nationalization. right? But the limits of these reforms fuel the desire for real and profound transformation. The MIR, revolutionary left movement, is founded in 1965 the result of the fusion of various groups, among them the Partido Obrero Revolucionario, with origins in the left opposition in Chile in the 30s. But in the MIR, the small bourgeois and university elements predominated, promoting the strategy of peasant guerrillas, and in 1969 they bureaucratically expelled workers' gathers who opposed it. During the agenda, government, Mir will be the most important revolutionary left group and had some mass support. In 1969, the Popular Unity Coalition was formed, consisting mainly of the Socialist Party and the Communist Party, those petty bourgeois parties such as the Radicals. It is a popular front, with the particularity of being led by two big mass workers parties. Salvador Allende wins the elections on September 4th of 1970 with 37% of the votes. Um, Alessandri's right wing get, gets 35% and the Christian Democrats candidate uh, 28%. So the electoral triumph is an expression of the rise of the masses during the 60s, and on the other hand, the division of the opposition vote is part of the explanation as well. It is the first time that a candidate identified as a Marxist has come to power by electoral means, and this generates huge, huge illusions in social democracy uh, around the world. But, but since he did not obtain an absolute majority, it needs ratification by Congress. The conspiracy of the United States and the CIA begins before he takes office, it was literally about making the Chilean economy scream, as President Nixon told his national security advisor Henry Kissinger. In addition to the economic blockade, millions of dollars were dedicated to opposition parties, media, and bosses' associations. Finally, Allende is ratified under the condition of signing a statute of constitutional guarantees, which establish the autonomy of the armed forces. That is to say, from the first moment the government hands are tied in the face of a class confrontation on a fundamental question, such as the character of the bourgeois state and its armed wing. The popular unity program applies democratic and anti-imperialist reforms. Measures in favor of the workers, unprecedented in the history of Chile. Nationalization of natural resources, the most emblematic, the nationalization of copper. Considered the salary of Chile. Partial nationalization of banking, foreign trade, and strategic companies, such as the ITT, Telephone Company. The acceleration of the agrarian reform initiated by the Christian Democratic government. And social reforms called the 40 measures, such as the delivery of half a liter of milk a day for every children in schools, and the freezing of rent, among others. The popular unity strategy proposes a gradual and institutional transition to socialism. It assumes the specificity of the Chilean state as a stable political system, and considered consider the armed forces as constitutional and respectful of democracy, in addition with the idea of a progressive national bourgeoisie. The social property area is created, with workers' participation comprising 90 nationalized strategic companies. Workers will take this initiative further through factory occupations in some cases, an old decree of the Socialist Republic of 1952 is refloated to requisition establishments in defense of the national economy. The self-organization of the workers in the cordones industriales or industrial belts is the highest point of this Chilean revolution, a revolution from below, which overflows the revolution from above of the popular unity program or as the slogans of that time put it, it is a dispute between moving forward without without compromising and consolidating to move forward. In 1973, the social area came to comprise 30% of the industrial workforce and 90% of mining production. The first year, industrial growth was of 12%. In fact, until mid-1972, there was a short golden age. In some nationalized textile companies, production doubled, and the consumption of national products doubled, a sign of the better quality of life for workers who bought electrical appliances such as washing machines, refrigerators, and consu- consumed more meat and milk. However, the state only controlled 15% of the distribution and this will be taken advantage of by the right-wing and capitalist, which uses its control over the economy to sabotage the government. Key to the Popular Unity project was the rapid implementation of a planned economy in the social area which will transform relations of production and increase productivity. The slowness in its full implementation contributes decisively to deteriorate the social and economic situation that leads to defeat. Internationalist cooperation could have been decisive. For example, following an earthquake in the central region of Chile in 1971, the USSR donated a building manufacturing plant, the KPD, um, a state-of-the-art, mechanized and automated project. Some Some apartments were inaugurated in record construction time in the whole history of housing in Chile. In addition, the cranes were mostly operated by women. Unfortunately, the military coup interrupted this experience and the Soviet technicians were expelled. Electoral support for the government increased, obtaining 50% 50 in the parliamentary elections of 1971. A section of the Christian democracy resigned and they supported the popular unity. They followed the example of the Mapu, a group that had already split in 1969. This is is all well and positive, and shows the addition, the support, of middle layers towards the left. But on the other hand, the Christian democracy now remains under the control of its right wing. And here, the opposition abandoned its hopes of overthrowing the government in a democratic way. Then in October 1972, a strong bosses offensive was launched. The industrialists. Paralysed their activities. The Truck Owners Association carried out a stoppage that affects the transport of fuels, raw materials, food and maritime cargo. Students from the Catholic University, doctors, engineers and public transport joined. The opposition managed to drag in the middle layers. The workers responded by occupying the factories abandoned by the buses. And the industrial belts flourish. They control production and make their own spare parts scarce due to the economic blockade. Supply and price committees multiply to combat hoarding of basic goods and black market. An embryo of dual power is established which goes beyond the factories and can territorially organize peasants and working-class neighborhoods. After a month, the boss's strike is defeated and Agenda forms a civil-military cabinet. This is a slap in the face. The military was called upon to mediate in a conflict where the working class had already won. It placed the military alongside union representatives in the cabinet, confusing independent workers' organizations with the government. In January 1973 the government presented the Prats-Millas plan, the return of factories occupied in October that were not in the original uh, program. It also reduces the plan from 90 to 49 companies. Of course, in eyes of the workers, this is unacceptable and the plan is withdrawn in February 1973. There is also a gun control law, which in practice is used only against the workers in raids against the industrial belts. Meanwhile, in the months leading to the coup, in the months before the coup, the the fascists carried out no less than 20 attacks a day. On June 29, 1973, a regiment of the army revolted against the government. This is known as the Tanquetazo. Commander in Chief Prats, in company of one Augusto Pinochet, repressed the rebels in, in downtown Santiago. The industrial belts took the initiative and occupied all the factories of the capital, plus the main road accesses to Santiago and farmers' centralized food supply. The putsch is defeated but serious failures are evident as groups of workers wander without orientation through the streets of Santiago. At the end of the day, Agende asked that companies occupied during the day be returned and workers to go home in peace. As Prats and Pinochet repressed the uprising, the Communist Party believed this confirmed its thesis, that the armed forces are constitutionalist. In fact, this only confirms that the conspiracy is going at full sail, and it is, it is only a matter of time before a decisive coup strikes. And this was a favorable moment for Allende to lean on the working class and launch an offensive that will finally expropriate the saboteurs. The contradiction was between defending a government that the workers considered as their own but also the need to overcome it by revolutionary means. As the government itself disarmed them politically and materially before the country revolution, the socialist revolution was the only means of defense. General Prats resigned under pressure and then Pinochet takes over as commander in chief. A group of sailors learn about their officer's plan to overthrow the government and inspired by the naval mutiny in 1931, they elaborate a plan. In case of a coup, they will occupy the ships and take them to the high seas out of use for the counter-revolution. But in August, 1973, they were discovered and prosecuted by the military justice, accused of insurrection and torture. Agenda does not intervene in their aid, arguing that this violates the autonomy of the armed forces. This is decisive for defeat, as it discourages rank and file soldiers and sailors from acting in defense of the government. Still, on September 4th, 800,000 workers marched in front of the House of Government, asking for weapons and the closing of the, uh, of the Congress. Allende proposed the parties a plebiscite, to resolve the conflict of powers between the government and the opposition in Congress. And then the date of the coup is set for September 11, to prevent the announcement of this measure. As it was already known that the navy were coup plotters, the coup began early in Valparaíso, uh, which is a port city in central uh, Chile. Then the natural reaction will be to send the Santiago regiments to supposedly suppress the rebels. But in fact, they will only go to meet the rebels, neutralize any resistance, and proceed to the coup in Santiago. Workers were concentrating in workplaces, waiting for instructions. But faced with an enemy superior in armament and coordination, it was necessary to respond with mobility and communication, not to remain in fixed points. It is said that agenda did not arm the workers. It is true, but it is not the best way to pose the problem. The problem is that the main organizations toyed with the military question without seriously considering it. It is necessary to form cadres, think of a policy directed at the rank and file of soldiers, and eventually prepare an independent armed force. It is not enough to assume the existence of sympathetic sections in the armed forces. The living coefficient of the class of struggle is needed. A decisive action by the organized masses could win over a sector of soldiers and sailors, breaking the army forces along class lines. Above all, a revolutionary party was needed to direct the tremendous creativity and fighting disposition of the working class and its vanguard. The country revolution was bloody and relentless. Ten percent of the population went into exile. There were thousands of deaths and disappearances. In addition to indescribable tortures, official figures indicate that at least 30,000 people uh, suffered human rights violations, the vast majority of them young people, workers, and peasants. The flower of youth and the working class was annihilated. The experience of the agenda government shows that the institutional path to socialism is not possible. It is the failure of reformism, which does not understand the class character of the state. In the other hand, the Christian democracy believed that the military would hand over power to them in the short term, but the dictatorship lasted 17 years. There was a disastrous economic situation, after years of sabotage by the right wing it's itself, but also a product of international crisis. And uh, despite its internal contradictions, Pinochet was maintained by inertia the masses were demoralized and powerless in the face of the Trump and reaction. Left-wing organizations underground and in exile began a strong internal debates. It was about defining three things. First, the causes of the defeat of the popular unity government, second, the nature of the military dictatorship, and finally by what means to end with it? The Chilean working class had defeated the counter revolutionary offensive on several occasions, notably in October 1972, and showed its ability to manage economy and society. These experiences had to be generalized and coordinated at regional and national levels. Unfortunately, this was not achieved due to lack of time but also due to differences between the left-wing parties. The workers required bold and united action to solve the question of power. And finally, the reaction resolved this this question in their favor. The fascist group Patria y Libertad, uh, fatherland and liberty, was a small and auxiliary force of reaction. And this fundamentally differentiates Pinochet from the fascism of Hitler or Mussolini who rely on mass organizations to destroy the working class. The Pinochet dictatorship used the state apparatus, the rule of the sword. It is a Bonapartist regime but it is particularly cruel due to the great strength that the workers have shown. So in this sense it is uh, Bonapartism with fascist features, right? The military were no economists nor intellectuals. It was, it was not until the arrival of the Chicago Boys that the regime adopted an economic and political project that was combined with local conservatism. The dictatorship did not simply recover the last positions of the bourgeoisie and imperialism, but transformed the social and economic structure of Chile It is the so-called neoliberal model. The counter-revolution consolidated its project project, and dictated the constitution of 1980. The ideological and economic pillars of the system are established. The labor code, with anti-union laws that ended collective bargaining by trade. The denationalization of copper which also allows other state companies to concession, the privatized pension system, the privatization of university education. I could go on. Let's just say that these laws upheld by the post-dictatorship governments are now challenged by the social movement in Chile. Exile play a decisive role on the left in a process known as socialist renewal. This renewal is influenced by the experience of the Stalinist regimes, Eurocommunism, and the financing of European social democracy. Berlinger's uh, historic compromise proposal in Italy will be fundamental. Also, the model transition in Spain after Franco's death. The Socialist Renewal tries to articulate democracy and socialism, generating alliances with the center, that is, with, with the Christian democracy. They abandon the class struggle and the seizure of power by the, by the working class. The, social, the Socialist Party suffered a severe crisis and splits in 1979. In short, the Socialist Renewal will be hegemonic The renewed socialist comprised three components Uh, the enriched and rectified Marxist thought, on the words, the humanist traditions, and the values of the Christian message. However, there are socialist groups with a a stronger presence in the interior of Chile who kept their revolutionary banners. Until 1979, The Communist Party tried to include the Christian democracy in an anti-fascist front against Pinochet, but the Christian Democrats rejected them and actually wanted to isolate the communists. Influenced by communists in the German Democratic Republic and the fighting spirit of young militants in the interior of Chile, they promoted the strategy of mass popular rebellion that is, the path of political defeat of the armed forces and not conciliation with dictatorship. In 1982, Chile suffered the biggest economic crisis since 1930. GDP fell 15% and unemployment reached 25%. At the beginning of the 80s, a specter is haunting—that that is, of revolution in Nicaragua and El Salvador, where some Chileans fought and received training, and 1983 marks 10 years of unbearable state of exception under dictatorship. These factors explain the protest that took both the military and political parties by surprise. The Confederation of Copper Workers called the first day of national protest for May eleventh of nineteen eighty three. The demonstrations are massive and especially combative in the slums of Santiago, but professionals, merchants and transporters, transporters also join in. An organization of women uh, opposed to the dictatorship arise and the National Workers Command is formed. Grouping the unions willing to mobilize against dictatorship. The Democratic Alliance is formed, which brings together the Christian Democracy, the renewed socialist, and some right wing sectors opposed to the dictatorship, who push for a quick negotiation. On the other hand, the Communist Party, the socialist, not the renewed socialist, the mere and other left groups form the popular democratic movement. There is a competition between the negotiated solution of the democratic alliance and the rupturist solution of the popular democratic movement. Pinochet won time in fruitless negotiations, while unleashing indiscriminate repression and selective killing of leaders. There is a pre insurrectionary mood that threatens to overwhelm the negotiations. The Communist Party connects with the radicalization in the slums, and military cadres enter the country, and the Manuel Rodriguez Patriotic Front is born. The biggest national day of protest took place with a total stoppage on the 2nd and 3rd of July in 1986. The groups who seek the political defeat of the armed forces describe it as the decisive year, but the military learn about weapons arrived from Cuba, a failed operation of the Manuel Rodriguez Patriotic Front, and even worse, a month later an attack on Pinochet's on life fails. It is a blow that plunges the communists and the front into a crisis. And here the negotiated solution is then consolidated, and the concertation of parties for democracy is formed, which will campaign for the 1988 plebiscite. The no, the no to dictatorship, won with 56% against 44% of the yes. This agreed. Democratic transition was a compromise from above to avoid revolution from below. They made us believe that the dictatorship was defeated with pen and paper. Impunity was established and the armed forces remained untouched. The concertation, a coalition formed mainly by the Founder Party for Democracy, the Socialist Party and Christian Democracy, manage the democratic aspiration of the Chilean people after the dictatorship, but they rule with the same dictatorial legacy. The first president of the transition was the Christian Democrat Patricio Elwin, who was a key figure in Congress against Allende. His most famous phrase, justice as far as possible. Pinochet was a senator until 1998, and in the first years of the transition the specter of military intervention always haunted. Sooner or later, a new generation arrives. For years, the student movement planted its demands at the center of national debate, to get back the public education. But in fact, the Mapuche people were the first to challenge the concertationist policy, in 1997. Above all, given the inability of the indigenous law to ensure access to water and land, fundamental for the continuity of the Mapuche culture. It is the so-called Mapuche conflict, where communities protest against hydroelectric projects, against forestry companies and for the restitution of their ancestral lands. In 2006, high school students took to the streets, putting putting the government on the ropes. In denouncing the privatized education system, they exposed the role of the concertación, the concertation during the transition. They also challenged traditional left parties and workers' organizations from student collectives with experiences of local activism and principles of direct democracy, the Coordinating Assembly of High School Students was formed, the ACES. Today it remains one of the most critical voices to the conciliatory role of some leading organizations, and together with women and Mapuche, it is the most prestigious actor of the October October rebellion in 2019. In 2006, the mobilizations began due to local demands, and the conflict escalated until more than half of the schools in Chile joined. But a negotiating table was formed, and then the parliamentarians diverted the struggle. In 2009, a new education law was enacted that did not respond to the substantive demands of the Penguin Revolution, as they call it. A year later, in 2007, subcontract forestry workers started an unprecedented strike and in the conflict a worker was shot dead by the police. After that they obtained the entirety of their demands. But there is a wave of strikes of other subcontract workers in copper and oil industries. These are signs of the beginning of the exhaustion of the concertationist policy. Um, after 20 years of consultation governments, the right wing won the elections in 2010. It is the first term of Sebastián Piñera, the fifth richest millionaire in the country. The marches in 2011 were supported by public employees and teachers. In the front wall of the University of Chile, a giant banner was displayed with the historical demand, public, free and quality education. By then, by then, the student movement is positioned as the most important mass movement since the protest against the dictatorship. They had more than 80% support from the population. August 4th was the h- highest point in the mobilizations. The police applied a de facto state of siege. In the middle of this st- of street clashes, the students regrouped in the occupied establishment. Then the communist student leader Camila Vallejo uh, called for a cacerolazo, pot-banging, and the overwhelming popular support, support was felt. But the student Federation never indicated a strategy to win against a faltering government. The National Union Federation called a national strike on August 24 and 25, and at night, a 16 year, year old student is shot dead by the police. The mobilizations decline in the middle of negotiating tables. The issue was not decisively resolved for either side. There were some approaches to the working class, for example, the slogan of nationalization of copper to finance education but a program could not be established to extend the mobilizations to the whole of society. In 2013, the concertation plus the Communist Party formed a government coalition with President uh, Michel Bachelet. Important reforms were assimilated, such as partial decriminalization of abortion and free education for the poorest students. But the market structure of education is maintained by subsidizing the individual student and then still sustaining the private business. This prepares new contradictions without giving a real solution to the crisis in public education in Chile. Later, several ex student leaders entered the parliament and the so called student seats was formed. After 2011, the communists lost the leadership of several university federations, opening the way to new left groups. But they will soon also start political careers. Then, out of these groups, the Frente Amplio, the broad front, was officially formed in 2017. That same year, they obtained 20% in the presidential elections with a feminist candidate and got 20 deputies and one senator. This seemed to signal the end of their, label, of their label as a student group. An important part of the electorate wanted to end the concertationist policy of the transition. In the rebellion of October 2019, unfortunately, the positions of the leadership of the Frente Amplio, the broad front, were a fulcrum to save the regime and not a position of the exploited to radiate their energy on a national scale and increase confidence in their own forces. Given the spontaneous nature of the movement, the Frente Amplio thought that an institutional agreement should be hurried and show themselves as responsible actors to launch them as an alternative for government in one or two more periods. So, the student movement had ignited a spark since 2013 begins a time of increasing labor unrest and, and uh, environmental and regional revolts. The masses now reco- recognize and detest the ideological and economic pillars of the system. Piñera interpreted his presidential reelection as a vote of rejection against Bachelet reforms. However, in 2018, the feminist May breaks out, a movement of universities and school occupations. It is defined as the largest women rebellion in the history of Chile. On March 8, 2019, which commemorates the International Day of Working Women, and had a massive turnout organized by the Feminist Coordinator. Last year, it had a record turnout with 3.5 million people nationwide. And again this year, the call for the next um, 8 of March will undoubtedly be decisive to reconfigure the relationship of forces in favor of the whole of the working class. In November 2018, the murder of the young Mapuche Camilo Catrillanca, by the police, provoked protests in several cities, showing a growing solidarity with the Mapuche people. The Dog Workers' rebellion in December 2018 showed fighting methods in a national strike organized by the the Unión Portuaria. In July 2019, the teachers' strike marked an historical teacher mobilization. A generation that, since the rank and fire rebellion in the in 2014, shows its, will, its willingness to fight in defense of public education. Chile is among the three most unequal countries in the OECD. One percent of the population concentrates 26.5 percent of the wealth, while half of the population takes only 2.1% of the wealth. As of December 2018, 75% of pensions are below the minimum wage and 44% below the poverty line. Chilean household debt marked an all-time high of 75% of house income. Only in 2019, there was an increase in the cost of electricity by 19.7%. 19.7%. The straw that broke the camel's back was the fair hike. The spark was lit by high school students who, by means of human avalanches, to skip the uh, to skip the subway tourniquets. The brutal repression that fell on the youth sparked solidarity, and then the protests reached the periphery of Santiago that are usually not affected by political demonstrations that periodically take place in downtown. At night, the cacerolazos, the pot banging, and massive protests everywhere made clear that this was the biggest rebellion in Chilean history. The balance indicates that at least 41 of 140 metro stations were destroyed, added to looting and burning of symbolic places of the millionaires looting against the working class, such as banks, pharmaceutical chains and supermarkets. The government declared a state of emergency and a curfew, a measure not seen since 1987. The October rebellion is a mass uprising with an insurrectionary character. It represents a qualitative leap from movements in the last decade. From Friday, October 18, to the end of November, between 5 and 6 million people actively participated out of a total population in Chile of 18 million. The main demands of the movement are on health, education, pensions, inequality, wages, and employment. The president said at a press conference, We are at war against a powerful and relentless enemy. He literally declared war on the working class and the poor, and obviously the view of tanks and soldiers in the streets has a strong emotional meaning for Chileans. After a week, the state of emergency was ultimately defeated by the inflamed mood of the masses in the streets, and then on October 25, the largest march in Chile took place with more than 2 million people marching throughout the country. The movement had an overwhelming strength. In addition addition to the historically leftist slums and emblematic of the struggle against dictatorship, other sectors of the masses of marginalized slums of Santiago, uh, but also important of the regions, take center stage. The enormous fighting disposition of the masses connect with their traditions of revolutionary struggle, but with novel forms of self organization in assemblies and cabildos, in the Primera Linea, the front line, and in the health brigades. The Primera Linea is a method of mass self defense. They are not groups detached from the movement, they involve a second. And several other lines behind. Those who provide material and projectiles, others who arrest the police with laser pointers, those who put out the tear gas canisters, others provide water and food, and of course the health brigades, the health brigades that give first aid. Everyone can play a role. They have earned the respect of the people, and it is also remarkable. How these methods are generalized internationally. These are the organizations that the working class has created spontaneously and will will likely continue to do so. Independent organs of the working class, such as assemblies or cabildos, are embryonic forms of a dual power that can confront the official power of bourgeois institutions. This is the potential for a true power of the working class, organized territorially. The demand for a constituent assembly represents the desire for a radical change. In the plebiscite of last October 25 of 2020, there was a considerable participation of 50% considering the pandemic. The approved option swept away with a resounding 78% against 22% 22% of the re- rejection, rejection of a new constitution. But it must be very clear that three days before the November 2019 agreement, it took place the general strike called by the Union Bloc of Social Unity. This is the most effective shutdown in decades. It had 90% adherence in the public sector and 70% in the private sector. It is a qualitative leap in the rebellion that clearly put the working class and its methods of class struggle at the forefront of the movement. This is what sets off the alarms of the regime to hurry an agreement for peace and the new constitution, in less than 72 hours. Since then, the peace deal resulted in more repressive laws, thousands of political prisoners, officially more than 3,000 injured and around 500 people had died damaged from police shooting. Only in the last week, three people were killed by the police. The election of delegates to the constituent body has multiple obstacles for independent candidates. The traditional parties, including the right wing that oppose the new constitution, are hijacking the constituent process. In this sense, the agreement meant the maintenance of the regime with the help of the party system as a whole, to suffocate the working class as the protagonist of the process and its independent development of the parties. Now the demands must converge on a program for social rights guaranteed by the state on health, education, housing, pensions, water, environmental and reproductive rights, etc. Dissolve carabineros, the, the police, and replace them with neighborhood self-defense committees. Replace the judicial power with democratically elected popular courts. And trial to civil and military authorities responsible for crimes against humanity. Self-determination of indigenous people. and to the militarization of the Walmapu, the ancestral territory of the Mapuche people, and freedom to the political prisoners of the rebellion. To finance the great social transformations, it is necessary to nationalize natural resources, copper, lithium, the sea resources, nationalize the big monopolies, paper mills, retail, foreign trade, nationalize the banks and put all this at the service of the development of the country under a democratic plan with workers' control. All these are demands supported by the great, great majority of the people. Also, in the October rebellion, the Mapuche flag, the Wenufoye, was raised. Millions identify with the struggle of historically oppressed people. But the movement must go beyond the symbolism and carry the struggle of the Mapuche nation to the end, expelling the forest companies and all the companies that have abused their ancestral territory. For Marxists, it is key to understand how the working class can be able to lead the movement and develop its own organs of power to overthrow this boss's government with the perspective of establishing a workers' government. All the traditional organizations and the Congress are rejected, there was also no alternative, no revolutionary leadership to lead the movement. For this reason, the same parties are again capable of putting everything on track within bourgeois democracy. There were cabildos and assemblies, but a regional and national coordination of these bodies was not carried out. What was needed was a political tendency that will fight to deepen the reach of these organs emanating from the October Rebellion, that will connect with the revolutionary tradition of the Chilean working class, of Luis Emilio Recabarren, of the cordones industriales, industrial belts, and the struggle against dictatorship. A tendency to organize inside and outside the unions to generalize the most advanced experience of the working class and its program. The building of such an organization is the task we undertake in the international Marxist tendency, present in more than 40 countries. I hope this presentation on the history of the class struggle in Chile will help to draw the correct lessons in building a revolutionary leadership for the working class. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this on our own so, if you agree with us, get involved. We can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Canada Marxists, on Instagram at Socialist Fightback, and on YouTube as Fightback La Riposte. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at marxist.com. The music in this episode was General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. They can be found at souljazzorchestra.com.